the gospel reading today found in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 8. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation? The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> I uh, didn't suddenly become a priest. Uh, this is a preacher's stole, which means that if I'm to be the preacher, we should pray to our God first. So let us pray. Father, we come before you and we are here to listen to your word. So I pray that your words will be heard today. That for those of us who need it, it will rebuke us, chastise us. But also encourage us, teach us, help us to know you and your heart. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the start of David's psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the words of our Savior who died on the cross. And so when we turn to Mark chapter 8, it says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected. So he spoke plainly about this. The Son of Man must be rejected. The Son of Man must be killed, and the Son of Man must rise from the dead three days later. 
hoe ich dich kann ermähren. It's one of the favorite titles that Jesus gives himself. Sometimes he's called the son of God or the son of David. But the son of man seems to be his preferred title. And it's certainly the title that Mark gives Jesus. And multiple times throughout Mark's gospel, he refers to the time when Jesus will come in the clouds. And where do we see that about the son of man? Who is the son of man? Ezekiel? Well, Ezekiel is called the son of man many times. But there is one passage that talks about the son of man prophetically. Daniel chapter 7. The son of man is the one who is given all authority. The one who has power over powers and principalities. The one who is in charge, the one who stands at the right hand of the ancient of days. And Jesus says, the son of man must suffer. The one given all authority. The son of man must die, be killed. The one who stands next to the ancient of days. And the son of man must rise from the dead. You see, there are multiple thrones in heaven, according to Daniel chapter 7. The ancient of days sat in one of the thrones. So what was the other one for? But two chapters later, in Daniel chapter 9, it is prophesied that the Son of Man will be cut off. And so we have Jesus coming before his disciples, teaching them plainly that he will die. And they don't want to hear that. But it's not just that he will die. You see, I believe that Jesus was a prophet. He was prophetic. He knew the future. How would he die? Take up your cross, he tells the crowd. Take up your cross. Now today, this has a very specific meaning. After all, we've heard this preached before, probably. And so we know what it means to take up your cross because it has become part of our language. It was not part of their language. No one said, take up your cross. What does that mean? It's not part of their common language. To take up your cross was something that a criminal did when he was ordered to pick up this piece of wood and carry it to where they would be executed. It means nothing. It would be like me st uh, standing here and being like, hey, uh, find a chair 
that you can electrocute and carry it with you. It means nothing in our language because no one would talk about it. But Jesus specifically mentions the cross. And why? Because he would be killed and he would die as a criminal on a cross, on a tree. And this could be a whole sermon. No problem. I could preach it. And then we turn to Peter. And Peter says, no, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen. <clears throat> the Messiah conquers. The Messiah is powerful. And if you're actually talking about the Son of Man, because people knew about the prophecy in Daniel, the Son of Man is powerful, strong, given authority by God Almighty. So no, you're not going to die. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. How often do we turn to God and say, Hi God, I'm praying to you now. You need to do what I want. I need healing from my friend. I need you to do this. I need you to create peace. I need you to... And we have this list of things that we tell God what should be done. Our concerns. But do we have in mind the concerns of God? Again, I could preach this easily. In fact, I believe I did last year um, when I had this passage in Luke. <laughs> um, but, again, I will move forward. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And again, we've heard this preached before probably. Take up your cross, follow me. Here are all the commandments of God. Do them. Why are we failing? Why can't we take up our cross? Why at the first moment of difficulty, the first possible time of persecution, do we turn to God and say, fix it? Because we're weak. And we don't want to take up our cross and carry it. We want God to fix the problem. And so we tell him to. in our prayers, in our demands, in the way we live, in the way we complain. I certainly complain a lot. I don't mean to. But it comes up.
take up your cross and follow him. So, so difficult. But again, while this is a whole sermon, I'm going to move forward one more time. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Abraham, he was called when he was 75. He was called to leave everything. Go, leave your family, leave your land. In the ancient world, this was everything. Your family and your land. And he left. And he traveled. And he did not get his own land. And he did not get a child. Twenty-four years. Twenty-four years he did not find that God's promise had been fulfilled. And he had Ishmael. And God comes to him and says, when he's 99, 24 years after he's called, I will make a covenant with you. But this had been 13 years since the last time we hear God and Abraham talking. 13 years of silence. 13 years of difficulty, wondering. It's Ishmael, right? Right, God? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you it's Ishmael. In fact, at the end of this, we stopped at verse uh, 16. But God comes before Abraham, he talks to Abraham, he tells him that he will make a covenant with Abraham, that he will bless all the people through Abraham, and at the end of this, remember at the beginning of it, Abraham falls face down in worship, but at the end of it, Abraham, in verse 17, fell face down, he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? No. So he, what did he say? It's Ishmael, right? If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. It has to be him. It must be him. I'm telling you, it's him. Ishmael, I'm sure, was a blessing to Abraham. And we should not consider that he was not a blessing to Abraham. But it was not the child through whom this covenant would follow. That would be Isaac. David. David had a very difficult life. Now, much of it was probably due to his own fault. He wasn't a good husband to many of his wives, which are two separate problems. <laughs> Neither a good husband nor plus many wives. Um, he wasn't a good father to his children. He was 
pretty good king, actually. If you look at king, he did well for his nation. They started to prosper. By the end of his reign, they in fact have some semblance of peace, even though to get there, he was a man of war. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. These are the words of David, and if you read through David's psalms, this isn't a random one. Many of his psalms show his pain, his heartbreak, the trials that he went through, the difficulties. And Jesus. Is his life easy? The book of Mark tells about a war between Jesus and the powers that are around him. The authority. And Jesus has to fight. And by the end, he has to fight alone because everyone has abandoned him. His disciples ran. And he gets to the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But even now, even early in his ministry, you can look at John chapter 2. He knows that his death is coming and that of a death on the cross. In Mark chapter 9, you have the transfiguration, which David preached on two weeks ago. Jesus meets with Elijah and Moses, and what do they talk about? Jesus exodus. The time when Jesus will have to leave. And this word, by the time of the second temple, largely meant death. The time of Jesus' upcoming death. And you turn again to Mark chapter 10. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus, leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and 
kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus knew what he was doing, and though his family made fun of him, his disciples ran from him, and he called out to his God, he continued. He bore his cross. Whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. And this is what I want to talk about. Because we might feel the difficulty. We've all heard, take up your cross and follow me. Abraham was told to be blameless. Perfect. That's what he was told. And you read about these people in the Bible. Noah. Blameless, perfect. And you read about, uh, who else is there? Job, blameless, perfect. You hear about Daniel. And Jesus turns in Matthew chapter 5 and he says, You be blameless as your Father in heaven is blameless. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, that's difficult. But we don't just lose our life. It's also saved. There's a reward. So what happened with Abraham? This man who for 24 years did not have a land. In fact, he never did. He owned a small plot where he was able to bury people. But he did have sons. He did have Ishmael and Isaac and, in fact, other sons and daughters. He was able to bless the nations. Today, I can come and read about Abraham. And I can be encouraged. Because here's a man who would listen to God. Though he himself was also a bad husband. Also not the greatest father. He followed God. And God says, you need to be blameless. But God held the covenant. You see, Abraham continues to be a blessing. And the covenant that God made with Abraham continues to this day. Even though Abraham had his problems. There is a great blessing to be had, and the world has been blessed 
David. For all of his difficulties, by the end of his life, even though he couldn't build the temple, he was able to get all the gold, get all the silver, get all the copper and bronze, find all the workers, bring everything in, have it ready. All Solomon really had to do was not make Hiram mad, which he eventually managed to do by giving land that, that Hiram found not very good. Um, but Solomon really just had to put the thing together. That's it. David was able to bring everything in to build the temple, the place where God would dwell with his people. And David had a son, Solomon. And another son, and another son, and David's descendants will continue to be on the throne forever. What a blessing. What an amazing blessing. And we turn, actually, let's stay in Psalm 22 for a bit, right? God does not despise or scorn the suffering of the afflicted one. He's not hidden his face from him, but he's listened to his cry for help. And again, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. In fact, not only those, but all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Food. It's rather important. If you don't have it, then um, having God listen to you, you know, also important. But food, I need. I also need God to listen to me. And God provides both. Not just God, though. I'll show David. I will fulfill my vows. He will give food to those who need it, as God gives food to those who need it. So now, let's turn back to Mark. Jesus spoke plainly about this. I will go I will be mocked, I will be spit on, I will be flogged, I will be killed, and it will happen on a cross. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus too had a blessing. And what was Jesus' blessing? Why would he go to the cross? Why would he even come here in the first place? Jesus' reward was me. 
cheeky reward. Though I am not blameless, though I am not perfect, I am Jesus' reward. You are Jesus' reward. He went to the cross knowing he went to Jerusalem knowing what would happen. He took up his cross but there was a reason for it. There was a reason he went there. And that reason was us. And God looked down on his son with whom he was well pleased. God appreciated Jesus' choice. And that also was his reward. Though we didn't read it, there was another passage in today's readings in Romans chapter 8. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? All things that when we take up our cross and follow him, we may and probably will encounter in one form or another. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, we can be thankful that we live in the countries we live in. We don't face most of these things yet but we do face difficulty. And we have brothers and sisters who do face all of these things. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I want to encourage us. Okay, take up your cross and follow him. Definitely, don't tell God what he should be doing. Be blameless, be perfect. But there are rewards. There are good things. God loved us. And my reward, part of my reward, is you. 
And part of your reward is your family, your neighbors, hopefully, your church. And a God who rules not only the body, but the soul. And he loved us.